Andino Andina is written, read, edited and produced by me. Oh my goodness, I met the cats up at the cave. Tonya was not yet through the door and the excitement was bubbling out of me. What? What cats? You mean... Yes, the cats. The Andean cats, remember? Los gatos andinos. For real? Yes, for real. Andino and Andina, and one more I didn't catch the name of. Up at the cave, the ones I've been communicating with telepathically. Oh, wow, really? Here, take the food and let me take my coat off first, and I'm all ears. It smells glorious. What have we got? I'm definitely going to botch the pronunciation. That's what happens when you have only read things and not heard them pronounced. Queso amacha paseño. Eh, what? It's a traditional dish made with grilled cheese, sautéed onions, lima and broad beans, yellow chilies and wakataya. I know that one. That's that curious black herb that tastes like a mixture of basil and mint. That's the one. And flatbread and choclo, of course. Naturally. Choclo is a kind of big kernel white corn, served as accompaniment to main dishes, the same way we might serve rice or potatoes. Over dinner, as always delicious, I filled Tonyo in on what had transpired up at the cave and what the cats had talked about. Disappointed to have missed out on this first physical contact, he also knew animal communication was my forte and not his that he would probably have become restless and disturbed my concentration when the novelty wore off and he was unable to follow both sides of the conversation. At home, I'd adopted a habit of talking out loud with our cats to alert Tonio that there was communication in progress, even if he could not hear it. Still, it could be confusing for a listener drawing their own conclusions as to what was being said not to mention wildly inaccurate if fear was present at the same time. Here and now, it was exhilarating. In return, Tonio told me what had been suggested and discussed at the meeting, and the new plans for the soon-to-be revamped beehive. Jostling each other for space in the tiny kitchen while washing up, I felt the luckiest woman in the world. Gratitude over how fortunate I was and how exciting this adventure was shaping up to be, my heart was threatening to burst with joy, and I could not stop grinning. Batten down the hatches, a storm is coming, Tonio announced one lunchtime after he'd spent the morning at La Colmina. No worse than the hurricanes we get at home, I hope. Well, different, so I grabbed some bread and fruit on the way back home. We still have some cans from La Paz, right? We do. What else do we need to do around here? Nothing much. Just stay inside and be aware that there may be no electricity for a few hours a day, depending on how the storm develops. Secure everything outside that might fly away and injure someone. Hurricane stuff, really. Anyone else need help preparing? I helped close up the school and the post office. You have been busy. They expect it to get that bad? Apparently so. Do you want to do a loop around and see if anyone else needs help, since we don't have that much to do? Don't really want to go very far, but at the same time, we may be cooped up inside for a while, so I'd like to make the most of it, until we do. By the time it was getting dark, the wind had picked up, whipping and pounding shrubs and buildings. 
Vegetation akin to tumbleweed was not so much being tossed about as hurled at anything in its path. The amount of dust and sand in the air made it difficult to see. We had called in to see Nadja and Mina on the way, to say stay home and safe and do not take any unnecessary risks delivering food to us until the storm has passed. Tony reassured them we would be just fine. After all, we still had most of the uncertainty supplies we had brought with us. Mina, cheerful and energetic as always, despite a heavily pregnant belly, insisted on giving us some extra flatbreads and saltenias, not unlike Cornish pastries or baked empanadas. She was preparing for the family's dinner and the ubiquitous chocolate to go with it. Back at the cabin, Tonya brought in a sack of briquettes, firewood and kindling from the lean-to to make sure it stayed dry and kept us warm. Then we sat down to enjoy the dinner cooked by Mina. An hour after dinner, the rain started in earnest, lashing at the cabin walls with a whooshing sound. I placed the LED lanterns strategically and put tea lights in glass jars on the table ready to use before going to sleep. Both cats chose to join us in the bed, so it all felt very cosy. My last thoughts before falling asleep was for how the other cats and wildlife in general was managing. The rain, sleet and occasional spot of what sounded like hail pounded Cordoba and its surroundings for three nights and two days. We stayed inside, grateful to have no problems with leaks or anything, only boredom, and that was mainly Antonio's part. I was still taking dictation, telepathically, from the cats. I wondered how everyone, everywhere was coping. Peluche and even Kachina were getting antsy, but apart from that, everything was okay in the cabin. There was no sight of Bron, or anyone else, of course. I wouldn't have thought bad weather would have prevented his comings and goings, but left to our own devices, we mentally felt a bit cut off. Tonio read through what I had written so far, while I tried to find the right structure to the disjointedness of it all. We had time to watch a couple of films before Tonio's laptop battery ran out, and then read books and talked, all while the storm raged and seemed to hit the cabin's walls from all sides at once. By now Peluche and Kachina were bored too, chasing each other around the cabin at top speed, skidding on the varnished wood floor, taking a corner, sometimes hitting a wall or a door frame with a confused little jowl. Tonio set to amuse himself by fashioning new toys for them to play with. I wished I'd thought to bring some catnip. It occurred to me to inquire of the cats how they were faring, and Ina reassured me everyone was well, and their host bodies were too, if a bit hungry. Look over your shoulder, Andina said. I turned my head, and as I did, the air shimmered, and I could see the form of a cat take shape. Look, Tonya, look! I poked him excitedly. It was an image of an Andean cat, only smaller, about the size of Kachina, hovering two feet above the floor, transparent at first, then slowly becoming more solid-looking. Tonya's jaw dropped. Wow! With dignity worthy of the Egyptian cat goddess Bastet, the hologram cat blinked. Tonya collected himself and muttered, I bet you can hear as well, but he still couldn't stop grinning as he watched the ghost cat, as he called it. 
I'll write it down, then you can read it. We are casting holographic impressions of our host selves to you. This we have found to be less frightening to humans, and less taxing on our own energies, so it suits our purposes well. Would you like to write this down, human cat? I smiled, careful not to show my teeth, pen poised. While some humans are thrilled when they first make contact with other dimensionals, and there is nothing wrong with that, it is rather endearing. We too have been watching and waiting and wanting connection for a very long time. However, when interacting with beings like ourselves, humans need to use their inner discernment. You wouldn't trust just anyone you passed on the street and invite them into your home, would you? You'd feel them out, you'd get to know them first. We recommend you do the same thing when connecting with beings from other realms. Observe yourself and whoever you are engaging with. Does it feel encouraging, supportive, nourishing even? How does it feel in your body? Do you come away feeling good and uplifted? If not, we recommend you abort the connection and question why. Beings like us do not like to engage with anger or greed, or interact with victim energy, someone who doesn't take responsibility for their own thoughts and actions. Then we wait, wait for you to raise your frequency and ground yourself. That does not mean we do not hear your heartfelt calls for help, especially during testing times of grief and sadness. We most definitely do. We advise you to be wary of anyone approaching you to interact in a manner that appeals to your human ego. We also suggest that if you encounter an abusive tone or message, one that is in disharmony with your own frequency state, you disconnect and terminate the connection. Do this in any way that feels right to you. No one with your best interest at heart will mind, and all of us who do care, and care very deeply for the evolution of the earth and those that live upon here, would offer anything but love and respect. A firm tone, yes, a no-nonsense, neutral or positive, constructive or surprising even. If it feels agreeable, use it. If not, discard. You have free will. Exercise it. Just like you would with any other healthy human-to-human -human interaction. You are your own authority. Set boundaries. Don't relinquish that sovereignty to anyone outside of yourself. When interacting with other dimensionals, non-corporeal beings existing, for the most part, on other dimensional planes than you currently do, we recommend that you are respectful and do so with absolute integrity. Be mindful. Expect the same in return. Know your boundaries. May we take this opportunity to suggest that you practice this in all your interactions with other humans? Be firm and re-evaluate as you feel the need in the moment. Question everything, within yourself and what you hear from others. Do not accept or follow anything without evaluation, and ask questions until you feel you understand. Ask for clarifications and confirmation. Those of us who have your best interest at heart do not mind at all, and would never ask you to undertake something that is harmful to you or another. The cat image faded. I finished my frenetic scribbling 
and read through what I'd written, adding punctuation and filling in my shortened words. I was familiar with this, but a reminder now and again never hurt. I read what I'd written to Tonio, who nodded slowly, eyes unfocused. Makes sense, was all he said. It made me suspect he had received a non-verbal download of his own, and his subconscious was now busy unpacking and processing it. When I looked up next, he was asleep, so I took that as confirmation my guess had been correct. On the third morning, I woke up because it was oh so quiet. The wind, the rain and the sleet had eased off. We had brunch and prepared to go out and help with whatever was needed elsewhere, seeing as our dwelling was fine. In the early afternoon, the sun would eventually manage to peek through the heavy clouds for a few minutes, almost as if to remind us of its existence. The aftermath of the storm reminded me of the look after a hurricane. Not quite, but almost. Ditches everywhere were filled or overflowing with water and melting sleet. Part of the road out of town had been washed away. People cautiously opened doors and shutters and peered out, checking if it was safe to venture outside yet. Others had already started the clearing of debris and were preparing to patch roofs. Sodden rags and towels were brought outside to dry. Less urgent storm damage was everywhere, and everyone pitched in and worked until it grew too dark, which was quite early given the electricity was still out as a precaution due to the flooding. Next day passed pretty much the same way. Now the electricity was back on, washing machines and tumble dryers could be heard humming here and there. Clothes and other textiles were decorating washing lines in backyards and some rooftops, flapping in the wind like colourful, uneven flags. Nadia brought a vegetable casserole and grilled chicken, and it tasted heavenly. She was all smiles, the storm having brought her a little sister, she said. I coaxed my face into a happy-for-you expression with congratulations, while inwardly I winced. I couldn't think of anything worse than giving birth to a baby in the middle of a storm, with no medical backup, no midwife, and only my sister-in-law to help. All while cooped up in a house with six children under the age of fifteen, getting bored and restless. My limited Spanish vocabulary soon ran out of nice things to say, and the grin I'd plastered on my face had been equally exhausted. I made an excuse and slunk away to the toilet leaving Tonio, who was much more at ease with the situation, given he was genuinely happy and able to articulate it, to wind up the new baby conversations so the girl could get back home. I don't get the baby-centricity at all, and it makes me feel like I must be from another planet. I don't have a biological clock, let alone one that's supposed to be ticking. I fleetingly wondered when they had the energy and time to conceive, living so close together and with so many to look after already. I knew the father was working away a lot. I guess my need for personal space, for quiet and privacy, makes me just as weird in their eyes. My wanting a pleasant home with furniture to relax in is as foreign and culturally removed as their way of life to me. Still, some part of me were glad they celebrated. 
Vive la différence, as the French say. I bumped into Julia earlier, Tonya was saying as we were having dinner. You remember Bron talking about her, the woman in charge of the Colmina or the Beehive project? We had another meeting at the community centre. She's really nice, by the way. In her fifties, I'd guess. You'd like her. We will start on converting and rebuilding as soon as everything has been put back together after the storm. Oh, goody. She also told me about this food bank exchange they have. She's been wondering if it wasn't time for an upgrade or an extension of sorts. The community centre isn't used nearly as much as it could be, and the food bank next door is kind of cramped at times. One day, while talking to a young woman called Magrita, who was saying how bored she was cooking at home, mostly the same things out of habit, she had an idea. Please continue. So Magrita talked to a couple of others about doing something like daily surprise dish. Whatever had not been claimed for use by others by mid-afternoon gets donated to that day's surprise chef to see what they make of it, with a young person or more who is interested in learning to cook, helping out. They put the idea to Julia and asked what she thought about it. And she obviously liked it. She did. And being the energetic and enthusiastic organiser she is, she put it to the town council. You know they already have this food exchange system where those who pick up groceries from the bank give back by bringing ready-cooked meals, so she suggested incorporating all of that too. Thus have an informal restaurant with tables so those who can't or have no facilities to cook can sit down and have a meal for donations or help with the running. Wow, that's such a forward-thinking idea. I agree. You know the billboards by the roads at home? The Sin Ambre or For a Mexico Without Hunger. Sometimes I think they mean to dumb everyone down so as to mean have no hunger, meaning no ambition, no aspirations. I never thought about it that way. Interesting. Anyway, what a great idea to help feed everyone. It is. What else did she say? Well, Julia said she'd like to see the place buzzing with activities and people so it doesn't feel awkward. I think that last bit was aimed mostly at me, or us, as foreigners in this place. Everyone else seems totally cool with it. Hmm, I said, very perceptive. She also suggested to incorporate new art from local artists to brighten up the walls. Also a space to make others aware of local happenings, but not exclusively, aimed at adults, since the children already have their own hangout hangar behind the school. I had a look in it the other day. What a cool space. They even have a climbing wall. You never said. I didn't think you'd be interested. Besides, we were only seeing to a leak in the roof. So when does work on this commence? As soon as the storm repairs are done. You know, the big ones. Then people can do their own bits and pieces as and when. Aren't they lucky to have you on their team? Are you being facetious? I'm not, actually. What I meant is... How fortunate for them that you are so very Mexican, and the most practical man I've ever met. You never say it can't be done, just that you haven't found a way yet. Always love that about you. Keep looking outside the box until you find a way you do. Oh, thanks, Amorcito. I never thought about it that way. I just do it because it needs to be done. A real-life puzzle to solve. And that's what I love about you. Only that? 
not only and you know it. Let me show you later. The washing up can wait. Let's go. Ah, the alien woman. I looked up. Hola, I'm Anna, Anna Zapata. I teach at the school here. Hi, hola, I said. Jackie Murados. Alien woman? Was this a joke? One of those funny peculiar Spanishisms? Linguistic quirks were common expressions when translated into English made me bristle at times. I wasn't sure what to think, but the brown eyes and friendly face looked open and curious. It's nice to see different faces around here. That's good, I said non-committally. Do the rest of the locals think so too? Not everybody, she laughed. Some just think you're strange. I laughed. She grinned. Straight talking, I like that. Well, to come all the way to this place just to write a book about old stories, that's a bit strange, no? I guess so, I grinned. How long you stay here for? I don't know. I'm guessing at least another month or so. Oh, good. Then we get to talk again. Sure, you know where to find me. Goodbye. See you later, Anna. The first sliver of the new moon glimmered between the bruised storm clouds chasing each other across the sky. At least they were chasing each other away, I thought, rather than causing another pile-up above us. I was doing a little stretching and flexing outside to release the stiffness in my limbs caused by hours of writing. I enjoyed filling my lungs with cool, oxygen-rich night air. It cleared my head and made for more restful sleep which in turn allowed for inspiration to flow more easily. In the darkness, I heard a husky voice. Dance in the light of the moon and sing to the stars. I froze on the spot. Self-consciousness spiked off the scale. I had no idea someone had been observing me. I spun around to face the road. Don't stop on my account, the voice continued, sounding slightly amused. I call it Maichi. I blurted out, thankful the darkness obscured my reddening face. It's my own slow-movement, Tai Chi-inspired idea of moving intuitively and stretching and, you know. My mouth babbled on before I managed to rein myself in. Who are you? I'm Risha. I just happened to walk by. I like walking under a blanket of stars. It's like a gateway to a timeless domain. Your Mai Chi looked very graceful. I liked it. Thanks. I didn't know what else to say. Come and see me tomorrow. I've got something that I think will interest you. How do you know me? Who are you? Tomorrow. Come and find me at sundown, at the seed bank. You know where that is? I've seen the sign. Then have a good night. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Andino Andina is written, read, edited and produced by me. Copyright Liz Rosales 2014 and 2021